Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Contemporary American History. I'm Professor Turgeson. You know, a lot of people think history is just facts. It's just information about the past. But not me. I mean, I hold history very sacred. Sacred. The way the farmer looks at the earth and he holds it sacred. The way a Christian takes the Bible and he holds it sacred. The way a lot of people hold their marriage sacred. So I feel about it. So why don't we dive right in by interpreting one of the easiest events in the last 20 years of American history. Now, can someone tell me why in 1975 we pulled our troops out of Vietnam? The failure of Vietnamization to impact their support caused an ongoing erosion of confidence in the various American but illegal Saigon regimes. Is she right? Because I know that's the popular version of what went on there. And a lot of people like to believe that. I wish I could, but I was there. I wasn't here in the classroom, hoping I was right, thinking about it. I was up on my knees in rice paddies with guns and Edward going up against Charlie, slugging it out with him while pussies like you were back here partying, putting headbands on, doing drugs, listening to the goddamn Beatle albums. Oh, oh. Hey, hey, Professor, take it easy, will you? I mean, these kids, they were in grade school at the time. And me, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Well, well, I didn't know you wanted to get involved with the discussion, Mr. Helper. But since you want to help, maybe you can help me, okay? You remember that thing we had about 30 years ago called that Korean conflict? Yeah, where we failed to achieve victory. How come we didn't cross the 38th parallel and push those rice eaters back to the Great Wall of China and take the first brick, brick, brick and nuke them back into the fucking Stone Age River? How come? Tell me why? Say it! Say it! All right. I'll say it. Because Truman was too much of a pussy wimp to let MacArthur go in there and blow out those coming bastards. Good answer. Good answer. I like the way you think. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> Good teacher. He really seems to care about what I have no idea. Welcome to Truman's Town Hall with your host, Matt Truman. Hello, hello. This is is Matt Truman. Thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Do you think this is a game? Life? Do you think life is a game? And that you can just play with it as you will? Huh. Interesting. There's a lot of serious points to life. There's a lot of funny points in life. And Doggone it, I have a sense of humor. But what I don't play with is the truth. We play a lot of different games in life. But the truth is the truth. It's not opinion like some would want you to believe. It's not it's not an, an assumption on truth. There's truth, there's fact. There is opinion, but there's truth and there's fact. Today on Truman's Town Hall, we could talk about Trump being raided at Mar-a-Lago by the FBI. Hi, FBI. How are you? 
Hope you're doing well. We could talk about that. Did he have nuclear secrets? Was he going to sell it to Iran? I mean, whatever else is going on. Folks, if you've listened to this podcast, well, Maddie is not the greatest Trump fan. I like some things he's done. I'm a Republican, Libertarian, Independent. I don't know. I don't know what I am. But I'll tell you this. We're not going to talk much about Trump today. Maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm just starting this podcast. And, and, and But the first thing that comes to my mind is truth. Have I come on here in this podcast and purposely lied to you? No. No, I have not. Have I went out in public and purposely lied to you? No. No, I have not. But some would like you to believe that. Ladies and gentlemen, today on Truman's Town Hall, we're going to talk about politicians. Smelly, stinky, dirty, rat-infested politicians. They'll tell you something. They'll make you believe it. They're the greatest salespeople on earth as a politician, but in the real world, ooh, they suck. They do suck. But as a politician, they're successful. They're delightful. Let's just go to it. Folks, we're going to talk a little bit about my hometown, Huber Heights. Then we're going to move on to some other topics. Okay, next up we have Mr. Matthew Truman, if you please come to the podium. All right. So, not to uh, drag on, I prepared this. Good evening, Mayor and Council. First, I'm proud that Huber Heights finally has a Veterans Memorial. I am a combat veteran myself. I'm here due to my concerns of political influence over boards and commissions by some of Huber's politicians. Tonight, I'd like to discuss the issue that was brought up at the last council work session on August the 1st, 2022. I was listening to hear about another item when Mayor Gore introduced the discussion to blend some of the boards and commissions together, namely the Arts and Beautification and the Military and Veterans Commission. He said, and I quote, the Veterans Commission has not met the last two, maybe the last three times. This body had a lengthy discussion about why this should take place. I honestly understand the need. I do. You simply cannot get enough volunteers. Another quote from the mayor was, we don't get a lot of applicants. He also said, we just have to have some honest discussion here. Well, I'm here to do just that. Watching the meeting, I was infuriated. A lot of things were said that seemed to me, and I'm sure to others, that some were blaming the citizens for not stepping up. One of the counselors said, I think the bigger problem here is not council. If I may, you are the supposed leaders and should take responsibility for not delivering on your promises, obligations, and intent. I heard another counselor say, I think we can find some amazing volunteers if we empower our boards and commissions. I will use this quote to add, if you stop playing politics, there may have been volunteers already in place. One of the very commissions you now, you now have to fold into parks and recreation was an idea stolen from community volunteers, many veterans in fact. In my opinion, over politics. I was a member of an organization called the Huber Heights Veterans Project. I spent thousands of my own personal dollars to help develop this nonprofit. We gathered a team of veterans, citizens, and whomever from council. We invited everyone. A few showed up. I believe because I spoke out on my personal time about some ideas of the city government, we were boxed out. And eventually, Mayor Gord led an initiative to crush us. 
That became the Military and Veterans Commission. We partnered with other nonprofits to hopefully bring the banners you now see out here on Veterans Parkway, Taylorsville Road. The city manager at the time denied our plan for banners, only to say something along the lines, we can't pick and choose which nonprofits we work with. This, in my opinion, wasn't the case because shortly before or after, I can't quite remember, the city was partnering with some type of gardening operation that I don't believe even got off the ground. The city most certainly chooses who to partner with, and it's all done behind closed doors. It doesn't matter who it impacts. Even a good, diverse veteran organization willing to work their tails off to raise the money for veterans' memorials, banners, outreach, and so much more were denied and essentially eliminated over politics. We took on the endeavor so the taxpayers didn't have to pay for any of it. They're paying for it, over a million dollars. When politics bleed in, some politicians' egos can't take it. They don't care where the money comes from as long as the group I had at HHVP had no longer a purpose in the city of Huber Heights. That's wrong. Back then, some were telling others it was because the city could do it better. So, if you plan to encourage volunteers and work with nonprofits, I say outstanding. I would also suggest you start anew. First, Mayor Gore, you should apologize to the veterans and the taxpayers of Huber Heights. Why? Because you led the Veterans Commission initiative while there was already veterans out there doing the work. You also knew all of the intimate details behind our work. You, with some others, I'm not speaking about the commission who developed your idea, killed our nonprofit. There are some others on this dais and throughout the community who wonder why you have trouble finding people to help. May I suggest you start over today, admit you were wrong, apologize, and never allow politics to block good things from folks who may simply disagree with your proposed legislation or the inventive handling of the charter. Don't let politics destroy nonprofits or push away volunteers. Then maybe I think there will be folks willing to forgive and move forward. That's it. Matt, as always, appreciate you being here. Thanks for your opinions. Mayor. Yes. Thanks. Can you please state where you live on what street in Huber? I don't live in Huber. Okay, thank you. I lived in Huber Heights for 37 years. I volunteered for the parks cleanup initiative where you adopt a park way back in 07. I was sat on the Charter Review Commission for many months. I volunteered all over the city. Where did you volunteer? Would you like the list? Yeah, go ahead. St. Peter's School, Sunday oh. School teacher, 4-H advisor, mm -hmm. picked up trash. So what do you have to do with this? Okay, so this is this is not this is citizens' comments. This Mary, you invited me up here to have this discussion, and you don't want to have it. I invited you to speak your mind, and I welcome you to attend a meeting anytime you like to speak on the matter. We have had Facebook conversations and we've had phone conversations. We've talked about this at great length, and I've been so you got nothing to say. So, thank you for proving I am right. You and I have had numerous discussions, private discussions, phone calls. And there's, n I have been truthful with you. I've been honest with you. And there's nothing that I can say that's going to change your mind. You believe, so, you, you, you had your time. <laughs> you believe that you know what my intentions were. So you're telling everybody here in this audience and who's watching that you know my intentions. And you don't. There were lots of things that went on. Okay. Lots of discussion. Everybody on this council, with the exception of Ms. Kitchen, because she wasn't on council, voted yes to approve the formation of the Veterans Commission. Who wouldn't? You can, you can go back and watch every news broadcast that was done when the Veterans Commission was, was formed, and you will hear me say nothing other than we know we have veterans in the community who need services, and there are services available at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base for veterans, and they don't know what's available, and we need to help link them up. Did you know about we oh, see, hold on, hold on. So, yeah. You've accused me of a lot of things. I'm going to respond. Great. And so I'll respond to that. Ms. Dana Flavy approached me about creating a Veterans Commission. 
She works at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. In fact, I believe Ms. Plevy is on the Veterans Commission, and she works, she's like the head of all family services at Wright-Pat, nationwide for the Air Force. That was her idea. I turned her over to Rob Schomer. Her and Rob got together. They talked. They're the ones that developed the idea of the Veterans Commission. So there are all kinds of documents that we have. I'll, I'll post them out. Well, there's the, the they're on the... Um, are they on the public records portal? No, they're not on the public can you, can records. You add, can you add those to them? Yeah, I can do that. So all the documentation, creating the Veterans Memorial, all the backstory that Mr. Schomer's created, all those things are public documents. They're all there for anybody to read, anybody who wants to see them. Over a year ago, on 9th, October of 2019, you stood at that very podium, and you were thankful. You thanked us for creating the Veterans Commission. So I'm not sure where all this comes from and why you're still so angry we have a million-dollar Veterans Memorial that is one of the best memorials not, um, anywhere, hold on, anywhere in the region. Okay, so everything else that you're saying is just conjecture and sheer opinion of, of something that I've done, and that means you have to know where my heart was at and what my intentions were, and you just don't. You, you just don't. So as long as you acknowledge that everything you've said is your opinion, well, then... I have my opinion, but I also have all the documentation, all the records, and there's videos, and, and there's meeting minutes. There's everything that can go back and show exactly how everything was formed. So let's, ta oh, let's talk about the banners. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. I gave Let, you let your, me ask you a question Matt, real quick. Hold, Matt, you, I gave you your time. I gave you your time. Okay. The, the, ba the banner program. Mr. Schomer had a conversation, had a meeting with Keegan Miller regarding the banners. And the cost to lease the poles, the leasing and the fee agreements, to lease the poles. So, Brian, we charge, what, $165 for someone to buy a banner? Is that the cost? Uh, yes, $165 sir. Yes, that is correct. Banner. The cost, if the city, the city didn't do it, if we wanted to get the banners up, there were all kinds of lease agreements and fees that went to all the poles because the city doesn't own those. There's DPNL, they own those. Miami Lighting, who manages those. So there are fees. All the, the costs incurred from city employees, time, hours, labor, manpower, to hang all those. The cost of those banners would be well over $350 for the ones that we put up. So we do it for $165, and that was a decision that Rob had made with Mr. Miller about the banners because we could do it less because DPNL would not give free leases for any other outside program or nonprofit to put things on their poles that they owned. So the decision was made, as far as my understanding goes, I wouldn't privy that meeting, but I know what I was told, that people probably wouldn't spend $350 for a banner, and they would probably spend more than that, or have to spend more than that, in order for that nonprofit to actually make a profit. So they could then donate whatever money or help with the, the Veterans Memorial or whatever else that it was. So you don't know the plan. So You're that's regurgitating what you were told, right? Well, at that time, okay. the city manager, I listened to what he said right. and what that conversation was. And you had to let him we've, go we've had over that, the memorial. Didn't we've you? had that conversation. We've had that conversation in the past. Mr. Miller's name was brought up. We had that discussion. And there was nobody. He didn't come Did back the to the city refuse. manager lied to you about the memorial, Granite? Uh, I think he said some things that weren't true, yes. Oh, okay. So maybe... Perhaps, I'm not saying he did or he didn't, perhaps he lied about other things as well. Well, he could have, but I didn't give him uh, an inquisition over so it. You, I, well, he, he, I know what he told me. I know how it played out. And nobody had any complaints or problems with it other than you. But you I said told you had you nothing to that's do. That's how that happened. With starting the commission. Is that what you said? That's Ms. what you're telling everyone here. Ms. Plevy approached me. Okay. So whatever I've said on video or how that was going to work, I can go back again to the newscast. The purpose well, of I have documents too. Okay. Mayor, this is a text message from you. May I read it? Sure. Oh, great. But it was your committee talking to me that that started it. I know you took issue with my post about it because you were posting right before the election and trying to get people to see. Hey, I, I did this. I know you took issue with my post about it, but I did lead the initiative to start the commission. And what I said was, and now we're going to see what I believe to be the best memorial in the region. I repeat, I did lead the initiative to start the commission. You led it. Yes. Ms. It was you. I, like I've told you, Ms. Plevy came to me, 
and then I gave her to Mr. That's Schumer what you keep saying. Well, that's what happened. But I mean, you got what angry because I did a podcast and I talked about certain issues up here. So you crushed our organization. Nobody said Matt, you knew we were here. Okay, how so many updates did we do here? Matt, you got to speak. If that's what you Why feel, can't I have a if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. That is your prerogative and your opinions are your opinions. But just because they're opinions does not make them fact. It's fact so, right here. You lied so, and told everybody. That you didn't have, oh, she, she's the one that came to me and, yes, she no, was. you let it. I believe that was in September, October of 2018. Yes. And you were already talking to us. You volunteered to be our treasurer for crying out loud. I did. I, yeah. I wanted to help. <laughs> right. And when you got denied is when you started to change things up a little bit. When you became mayor is when you crushed our organization for okay. your own benefit. If that's what you, if that's how you feel, I, uh, you know. That's I, how I feel and a lot of other people feel the same okay, way. Well, but that's just not what happened. Okay. Have a good one, Matt. That's exactly how it happened. Thanks for being here. Glenn? Mr. Sherman, I'll say that I, I appreciate all the efforts of HHVP. I appreciate the time I spent. Um, I have no concerns about the money I spent. Um, I thought it was all for, for good purpose. Um, to conjecture, it happens all the time. Don't take that wrong. Um, a lot of people have different beliefs as to why I might have missed a council meeting. But, uh, you know. Do your thing. I appreciate your stance on veterans and Huber Heights. You've always had a hard stance pro-veteran and Huber Heights. As a veteran, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that, too. And the reason I'm here and the reason I came, I came and did, I was proud because I was told by the mayor that this commission is not just going to be about building a memorial. We're going to be helping everybody. We're going to be doing other initiatives and taking care of things because that's what we were going to do. But now you got to fold it in because your initiative didn't work. And you watched it not work, and now there's veterans that could get help from the city because you took it over, and they won't. And that sucks, and it's wrong. Thank like you, sir. I appreciate your pain. Oh. <laughs> well, there it was. It's like 15 minutes of nothing, essentially. To make a long story short, the reason I play that is because the mayor from his blue checkmarked Facebook page posted on posted a comment on Truman's Town Hall podcast. It read, I welcome you to attend a council meeting anytime you like to speak on the, the matter. We've had Facebook conversations and we've had phone conversations. We've talked about this at great length and I've been nothing but honest with you about all of this. I can't make you believe the truth because you're hell bent on making up your own facts, but I look forward to speaking with you at a council meeting. So it's all on the record in a public meeting. I hope to see you, see you there soon. I went there soon. I went to the next council meeting, in fact. I don't back down to coward politicians. What do coward politicians do when they're confronted? They shut you down, especially when they are the chair of the meeting. What happened in there? I came up. I delivered a, something I wrote so I didn't bloviate because you only get five minutes. So I had to make sure I wrote everything down. I timed it to make sure I had five minutes there. And then I allowed Mr. Mayor Gore to speak. And what was his first comment? What did he say? I mean, you can go over to Truman's Town Hall. It's right there unless he deletes it. But I look forward to speaking with you at a council meeting. So it's all on the record. It's not all on the record because he didn't want to have that discussion because I'm right. And he knows I'm right. Hopefully he's listening to this. Hopefully someone, I, I, of course, one of his friends is listening to this. I don't shy away. I'll come to a council meeting. We can do it live on Brick City Town Hall. We can do it live on what, wherever. As long as the public gets to see the conversation. Because guess what? I know the truth. The story's been the same with me throughout this entire situation. And what happens 
I'll just shut up. Right. You don't call somebody out and then just run away like a coward. Folks, you got to hold your politicians accountable. You have to. If you don't, guess what? They'll run over you. I'm not afraid. What else are they going to do? The entire city. They got everything. They got money. They got lawyers. They got uh, everything. Except voters. They only got like 4,000 of them. So they can do whatever they want. Unless you stand up to these silly politicians. If you don't stand up to these silly politicians, they do whatever they want. What have I been talking about on this podcast from day one? Stand up to your politicians. Hold them accountable. Maintain the truth. Everything I talk about, look, I didn't name names. I didn't talk about anybody. I went up there by myself and directed all of my, you know, he could have said anything he wanted. How did it sound to you? He ran. He ran from the situation because he knows the truth. He knows the truth. And now you, the listener, know the truth. I've done podcasts for a long time, and I've talked about this issue, and I've drifted away from my hometown of Huber Heights. And we talk about world issues, and there's folks listening in India and Australia and Spain in South America, all over the world. Folks, this is local politics in America. Okay? And thank God we have uh, the freedom that we do for now. It may not last very long, but for now, we, got, we have this freedom. I anticipate a reaction. I anticipate kickback, and I anticipated it when I went there, and I anticipated everything he was going to say. That's why I printed out that text message and showed it. I anticipated everything he was going to do because Huber politics is so easy to read. It is the easiest to read. They're weak politicians. That's why he is essentially and officially a weak mayor in the city of Huber Heights. Will he ever debate? No. I would debate Mayor Gore on anything <laughs> political, and he would lose. Bad. Lose. Big league. Call me out again. Call me out again. I'll show up. I'm not afraid. I do have to say this, however. Being angry and, and all, right? I am angry because, you know, somebody calls you out and then you go there to, to have a conversation and they just wimp out like that. That's whatever. That's politics. It's politicians. But uh, somebody that really isn't a politician or somebody that stands true to their word was Glenn Otto. That dude is solid. I ran against Glenn Otto. Lost huge. Lost big league. <laughs> right? But when we started to figure out how the Huber Heights Veterans Project was going to work, he was there. Like, weeks after. He could have said, you know what? I whooped this guy's butt in an election, and he can just do whatever he wants. And I'll just go on down the road and, you know what, I'm the politician now. But he didn't. He showed up to a pizza joint in Huber Heights and said, you know what, I'll join you. That guy earned my respect when he walked through that door. He didn't care that I ran against him. He won. He wanted to be a part of the community. Sad. It's sad that he's not mayor in Huber Heights right now because I think you guys in Huber Heights would be better off if you had somebody that had some integrity. And I, I believe that Glenn Otto has a lot of integrity. He not only stood up with us the first time we had a meeting, he donated money. He was ready to work and put his uh, name on things and and put his work where his mouth was. 
this mayor, he was all mouth. He would tell you, oh, I got this big person to donate money and this and that, and we can do all this. But then in, in silent and in the back room, he had something else planned. Because he's all politician. At politicized. I think you can go back on, what is it? The, uh, the internet has some type of a back room. I don't know. Listen, I've been sent the old documents. I've been sent the old screenshots of at politicized and I never put them out. I hold it all. I hold it all. But I don't. I stuck to the issues. I didn't bring anybody up. I didn't bring out at politicized and some of the controversial things that would come out on that. No, I stuck to the issue. Mayor Gore does not want this fight. He does not want this fight because he would lose. Big league, as Trump would say, why are you stuffing away nuclear documents? <sighs> anyway, but if he's listening or his friends are listening and they want to talk to him about this podcast, anytime, anywhere, we can debate. We can debate this issue. We can debate any issue you want to, and you will lose Big League. <laughs> because you're a weak mayor. Weak Mayor Gore. That's the title of this podcast. I've posted a week's worth of videos. I've done podcasts. Uh, I went up to city council. I've, I've done a lot on this subject. And you know what? If you have the truth behind you, what else can stop you? Let them bring whatever. I, it is what it is. I don't care. I know the truth. I know what happens. It's okay. I know how politicians work. They'll, they'll throw the book at you. And I'm fine with that. And I'm ready for all of it. Ready for all of it. But let's move on. <laughs> To other things. Um, I sent it all. I, I put it all out there. Be a man. Have a debate. Nope. Nope. Can't do it. You put it out there online. And then friends were saying, oh, are you going up? I went up there. Didn't want to have the debate. That debate didn't happen. Oh, well. Okay. So we need to talk about other things. Folks, that's my hometown which I moved out of, which was is a whole nother story. I mean, you're welcome to do a quick little public records request with the city of Huber Heights if you want. I don't want the clerk to have to work any more than he has to. He seems like a decent dude. So why would I make him do any other work? But if you want to. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can get the email between Kate Baker and, and Michael Truman. That's, that's up to you, though, if you want to. I mean... You don't live in Huber Heights? No. I checked the doggone box that said non-resident. Anyway, my handwriting is horrible uh, just because I was fired up and I went there. Anyway, we got to talk about some other things on Truman Town Hall, right? There's other folks listening. That's the hometown 
BS. Stand up to the politicians. They're your servants. They are your servants. They're not over you. You are over them. It's we the people, not we the politicians. Here's something else. By officiating the unproven theory that petroleum oil is a non-renewable fossil fuel, the oil companies were able to adjust the price accordingly, all the way into the peak oil scare that foretold the calamity of the world soon running out of oil, which further benefited the industry's oil pricing schemes. The wells never did go dry, and the ones once emptied filled back up. So the science we have today favors the abiotic theory over the fossil fuel theory, which is that oil is a natural, renewable component of our ecosystem. And we see this in our oceans, underwater methane lakes deep beneath the surface, with their own unique, thriving ecosystems. And so the story changed from the world will soon run out of oil to the world will most certainly end if we don't stop using oil. And because nobody seems to know what science is anymore, and most people just do as they're told, the world is about to end for millions of people and probably more because our civilization is built upon fossil fuels and the powers that be are turning them off. Winter is coming, and Germany is set to be very cold. Angela Merkel saved her political career by appeasing the anti-nuclear movement and shutting down Germany's nuclear power. Out of 17 plants, they have already shut down 11 and are still in the process of shutting down the rest, removing 25% of their power without anything to replace it because their Green Deal turned out to be a failure. After all the hype, Germany's dependence on fossil fuel is at 76%. So they are temporarily switching back to coal and oil. But that's a real problem because they've neglected their own fuel industry and become dependent upon Russia's. And the German government would rather have the country freeze to death than buy fuel from Russia. The German economy is based on highly innovative production, which requires a great deal of energy that they no longer produce. And so running out of fuel will quickly collapse the German economy, which will cause a tsunami of economic destruction throughout the EU and the world. And the German government is letting it happen. They could leave some nuclear plants online, but they still plan on shutting it all down by the end of this year to stay green. Some anti-carbon environmentalists are saying that nuclear power is the greenest option. And maybe that's true, but none of their schemes add up. So far, the green agenda has only successfully accomplished making people feel good about themselves while they destroy their own society. The EU and Britain are actually reverting back to burning wood as fuel and claim that it is carbon neutral which is a lie. Societies have steadily evolved towards a cleaner, more efficient energy, starting from wood, the least clean and efficient, and moving to coal, followed by oil and gas. And now, nearly 40% of Europe's renewable energy is wood, which mostly comes from clear-cutting forests in the United States. This new Green Deal is a complete lie. It's just another part of the creepy elite's great reset. These elite bloodlines want a new cashless society, but one more like the Middle Ages, which for these spoiled inbreds is the good old days. And if they succeed, it looks like Germany will get there first. And in the midst of all this chaos, the German government is focused on allowing children age 14 and older to change their gender and first names without parental permission, once a year, for as often as they want. This is Greg Reese. All right, that was a light and uplifting report from Greg Reese. Folks, I spent about a week, week and a half on this hometown issue. I hope I don't have to spend any more time on it, but I'm willing, if it happens. There's bigger fish to fry in the world, there's a lot of things changing around all of us. 
There's economy we have to worry about, uh, feeding our kids, taking care of our families, getting to work. I mean, <laughs> there's so much to worry about than local politics. But local politics is kind of where it's at. I don't live in the city of Uriah anymore. So I'm hoping I don't have to talk about it much anymore. But if I do, I do. It is what it is. There's a lot going on around the world. Here's another story I will. You know what? I'm just going to throw out a series of stories, right? Let's throw out a a series of stories for you folks to listen to and decide what you think about it. First up, Weon News out of India. Countries, Iran and the United States. There is no love lost between the two. They have been enemies for a long time now. But in the recent days, the tensions have exploded. From the nuclear deal to an alleged killing plot, Tehran and Washington are at loggerheads. So let's begin with the first issue, the Iran nuclear deal. In 2015, Iran and six other world powers emerged out of months of negotiation. The result was a historic nuclear deal with Tehran, which was formerly known as the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Iran agreed to limit its nuclear activities and in return, its crippling economic sanctions were to be lifted. All was well until 2018. Then U.S. President Donald Trump felt that the deal did not go far enough. So he decided to walk away from it. Since then, tensions have escalated between the two countries. The Iran nuclear deal has seen a lot, but countries are still scrambling to save it. This time, the deal even looks within reach. Earlier this week, the European Union presented their final text, one that they said that non-negotiable. Iran has said that it has been studying the text. Today, it said that European Union proposal could be accepted. This is if Tehran gets assurance on all of its key demands. This is a positive sign for everyone involved in the nuclear deal, especially for the United States and the European Union. Both sides are desperate to reach a deal. If it is reached soon, one million barrel of oil per day could enter the market something that could help relieve the global energy crisis. Currently, Iran cannot sell its oil on the global market, but if a deal is reached, it will allow Tehran to do so. So any deal will be a major victory for Europe, especially as it faces a potential emergency this winter. Now, this brings us to issue number two, an alleged assassination plot. An Iranian has been charged in the United States. His crime? Well, a plot to kill former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton. Sharam Pursafi is a member of the Iranian Revolutionary Guards. According to Washington, Pursafi was offered to pay an individual $300,000 to kill Bolton. This was likely in retaliation to Soleimani's assassination 2020. Pursafi also mentioned the possibility of a second target. He said that his target could earn the assassination at least a million dollars. U.S. officials have not said who the second target was, but according to reports, it was former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. The Justice Department says that Pursafi remained at large. The IRGC member is believed to be in Iran. Both Bolton and Pompeo have been fierce critics of Tehran. So it isn't surprising that they were on the hit list. But Tehran has denied all assassination claims. This, as they have called it, as fiction. It also warned the U.S. against any action that targets Iranian citizens. But a nuclear deal and an assassination plot are not all. The tensions between the two have been reached at a very high stage. Russia launched an Iranian satellite into orbit from southern Kazakhstan. The Qayyum is a Russian-built Canopus V Earth observation satellite, what many are calling a spy satellite. Iran says it wants to use the satellite for non-military purposes, but the West thinks it could be used by Moscow to assist its intelligence operations in Ukraine. The claims have, however, been rejected by the Iranian space agency. It says that it has exclusive control over the satellite from day one. 
So we have big things to talk about, but uh, first I have to say something. It's somewhat uh, personal, but also national news. A friend of mine, dear friend of mine, good friend of this show, got stabbed today, Salman Rushdie. I'm sure people have seen this news. Um, he was stabbed by someone named Hajj Hadi Matar. We don't know the motivation yet, but Sal did have some enemies in the past, as I recall. So I'm guessing Hadi is not Amish. <laughs> Sal was in Chattaqua. He was giving a lecture, how about this for irony, about how the U.S. is a safe haven for exiled writers and other artists under threat of persecution. And making that speech itself is unthinkable in most Muslim countries. Salman Rushdie living in most Muslim countries without getting stabbed every day is unthinkable. So don't come at me with Islamophobic. Phobic means fear, right? Well, Sal had a good reason to be fearful. Uh, and when you say phobic, it's just a way to shut off debate. You know, that you're transphobic, Islamophobic, and we should have a debate about this. Sorry, but, you know, these things don't go away. Islam is still a much more fundamentalist religion than any of the other religions in the world. And that means they take what's in the holy book seriously and that has been dangerous for a long time, it's still dangerous. This was 1989 when he was first threatened. You know, they say, we have a long memory, we got, just got Al Iwan Al Zawahiri, we were bragging about, well, you can't get away from... They have a long memory too. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I want to just draw your attention to a quote from Salman Rushdie. The defense of free speech begins at the point when people say something you can't stand. You often have to defend people you find outrageous, unpleasant, and disgusting. And that's the point I think that people have forgotten in this debate about free speech, which is it's not about the right of people you agree with to say what they like, and then you're not along. It's about your ability to listen to people whose opinions you might staunchly disagree with. You might hate their opinions. You might hate them, but you should be able to tolerate their right to have a different opinion. I'm Sean Duffy in for Laura Ingram, and this is the Ingram Angle from New York City tonight. Take everything. That's what Attorney General Merrick Garland signed off on when he personally approved the search warrant to raid Trump's Mar-a-Lago home last week. Now, the warrant was finally unsealed today, and it actually created a lot more questions for us. For, for example, what did the agents need to take Everything under the sun. Why was that? Everything? They need to take everything? Attachment P of the warrant lists property to be seized and notes agents can take any government or presidential record created between January 20th, 2017 and January 20th, 21. That covers his entire presidency. And if this raid was so urgent, because the left claims our national security could have been at risk after all, then why didn't it take days for them? to actually execute the warrant. The judge signed off on the warrant on August 5th, but the raid didn't happen until August 8th. Do FBI agents actually not work on weekends? And what's more, is that Trump would have uh, had these documents for more than 560 days since he left the White House. 560 days. If this is so serious, really, what took them so long? So far, as the actual, uh, so far as the actual documents we have a list now, albeit it's not a very good list, of what was taken. Here's what could have been a threat to our national security. The grant of clemency for Roger Stone, a leather-bound box of documents, and two binders of photos. There were boxes the agents designated as top-secret documents that Trump has since said were declassified. But we still don't know what the agents were really looking for. The Washington Post reports the raid was related to nuclear documents, but even Politico doesn't buy that, writing, we've seen enough Trump scandals in the last seven years to know that sometimes potentially explosive allegations from anonymous, anonymous sources fail to detonate. Ah, uh, you wouldn't say, huh? Well, I could have told you that. Any American could have told you that. The warrant reveals the DOJ is investigating Trump over three different laws, concealment, removal, or mutilation of records, destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigations, and the Espionage Act. What? That's it? That's the whole question? What? This is absurd on every single level. There's one more question I have that disgraced 
Deputy Director Andrew McCabe may have actually answered for us, and that is, what's the end goal here? I'll be going through all of this material very closely to figure out whether or not there is actually evidence in here that supports any of the charges. And I should say, Wolf, any other charges. So the investigation is not limited to the three statutes they've cited on the search warrant. We're in the InfoWars paradigm of understanding current events, politics, more so than ever before. And it was the raid of Mar-a-Lago, really, that pushed the Overton window that far. So that's one of uh, Alex Jones' minions over on the InfoWars network. And the point that he's getting towards is that thanks to InfoWars being so crazy and the right wing becoming ever more crazy, right-wing media looks more and more like InfoWars every single day. And uh, dude works for InfoWars, is out of his mind, but I think he might actually be on to something. So let's watch his full remarks. Fox News at night sounds more like InfoWars this week than ever before. Than ever before. So that's kind of the time period we're in now. We're, we're in the InfoWars paradigm of understanding current events, politics, more so than ever before. And it was the raid of Mar-a-Lago, really, that pushed the Overton window that far. And so I see that as a great victory. I see that as the reinforcements arriving. I see that as the truth finally rising to the top, despite the attempts to chill free speech, censor free speech, bully, intimidate, and terrorize people from speaking the truth. It all comes from the American left in our modern political parlance. But it was InfoWars that was groundbreaking. It is InfoWars that's been set for destruction. You know this. Yeah, so he might be a lot of things, but is he really wrong? Is there much of a difference between Fox News and InfoWars? I mean, Tucker Carlson talks constantly about how much he looks up to Alex Jones. He delivers the same sort of anti-Semitic, racist, homophobic rants that you would see on an Alex Jones. Now, is this a good thing for America? Obviously not. I mean, on InfoWars, you can learn about how they're putting stuff in the water to turn the frogs gay, and they've got lasers that can combine hurricanes or maybe separate hurricanes, and Al Gore fires it from Antarctica. That's literally a thing uh, that they say. They believe that literally every mass shooting was planned by the government. All right. So far, we've heard from We On News, Bill Maher. We've heard from the Young Turks. We've heard from Fox News, all interesting in itself. Let's hear some more stuff. I mean, really. You folks, you can decide. I'm just playing clips. Just playing clips. You can decide for yourselves. Is it true? Is it worth listening to? Ugh. Young Turks suck. That's my opinion now. That's my opinion. I like Bill Maher. Sometimes. Perhaps I paid $245 to go see him in Cincinnati and met the Cincinnati mayor once. Cincinnati mayor was kind of a jerk. Anyway, um, uh, let's carry on. Matt loves politicians, by the way. James Vasquez brought you to the front lines of Ukraine through the lens of his iPhone. Now, through the scope of a new vantage point, Vasquez shares with us new GoPro footage, which was mounted to his helmet, giving us and bringing us even closer to the depths of war. I went there. I didn't know, you know, what I was going to do, where I was going to go. I just knew I was going to get to the front line somehow, some way. You just think one of these shells, one of these mortars have my name on it. But you just you just kind of push through it. I mean, otherwise, we'd all be sitting in the foxhole all day and not getting out. Get and just you know, from where? Scared to die. It's a never before seen viewpoint. What? Go for that corner, brother. Of clearing and monitoring Ukrainian villages on March 24th. Yeah, I'm exposing myself over here. But it's a new lens which shows us the complexities. I go left, you guys take right. We got enough guns on the left. Camaraderie of war. I love the smell of gunpowder. <laughs> America. 
Rip Rawlings. I'm a former Marine Infantry and Reconnaissance Officer. Uh, the highest command I held was Battalion Command, and I deployed 10 times. About four months ago, I went over to uh, Ukraine, saw what was happening, and decided that I had to do something. Hey, there's just a couple things that we wanted to tie up with you. The first one is, um, I know that Ben had an opportunity to take a look at the motorcycles. One of the motorcycles is going over to your unit. Did you guys get a chance to take a look at it? For both retired Lieutenant Colonel Rip Rawlings and Vasquez, they say this war is unlike anything they've seen. I had a, an opportunity to go up near Bucha and Irpin, uh, pretty much right after James had been left. Uh, he was fighting in that area. And so I was there um, you know, a while afterwards, but saw the damage and destruction and decided that um, I couldn't stand for it and we needed to do something about it. What's it like for you to see this? How, does it compare to what you've seen on your deployments? This is a lot worse. The atrocities are significant. It's, um... God, I can't believe how many people stayed here. I can't believe how many people stayed. It's, it's almost too tough to talk about sometimes because, I mean, I, you haven't seen the likes of anything like this since, again, like you said, World War II. Another civilian. Colonel Rawlings and Vasquez linked up in Lviv to figure out a way to help former military and veterans fighting on the front lines. We supplied uh, night vision goggles. We supplied vehicles. Um, we were able to crowdsource funds through people's generosity. Body armor. Body armor, Kevlar, helmets, yeah. Kevlar helmets. Now with a common goal in mind. Did you guys have any more need for plates or plate carriers? The two have joined forces to create Ripley's Heroes. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, a need for that. They say the organization is providing logistical support. Whose artillery is that? And non-lethal equipment to combat that? units on the ground. There's so many different languages and so many different language barriers, but, you know, all for one common goal, which is to, uh, you know, liberate this country that's just being uh, slaughtered right now. If it was 1939 and Germany was doing what it was doing at the, the head of World War II, what would you do? We're there right now. This is it. You have a megalomaniac ruler who is killing them wholesale, raping them, slaughtering them, and stealing everything from their country. The fight Colonel Rawlings and Vasquez have seen is now at the doorstep of Congress. This really is an extraordinary time, and we have two very special guests with us here today to discuss this. We have James Vasquez, uh, who is a former U.S. Army uh, vet. He has actually fought in Ukraine already. Uh, and we have Lieutenant Colonel Rip Rawlings, who's a former U.S. Marine Corps um, and has been heading up logistical support. The pair has been invited to speak at the Congressional Helsinki Commission. On February 24th, the free world launched in horror as war criminal Putin invaded sovereign Ukraine. But so many around the world who have devoted their lives to the cause of freedom. To discuss their experience inside Ukraine and how the United States government can better support them. The biggest issue that we have is that a U.S. citizen can go purchase a set of level three body armor, but you cannot purchase it and give it to a Ukrainian. Together, they're pushing legislators to update laws, which right now restrict the movement of certain military technology. When James goes downrange, uh, he's technically allowed to carry level 3A body armor helmet, uh, but he's not allowed to carry ITAR-regulated thermal sight systems with him. The difference between us and the Russians is that thermal system in a lot of instances. But despite obstacles, their fight is far from over. You know, once I got there, I didn't realize how, uh, how much this was going to really impact my life and how impactful it's been to me you know, since then, So, uh, which is why I'm going back. His home is empty. Helmet is packed. Now that you're leaving, what's the final message, the, the last message that you have for people who have been following your story that we've put out there that you want them to remember, that you want them to know? Just don't forget. You know, just, um, just make sure that this story doesn't fall to the wayside. These people that are getting slaughtered, these people are getting killed. Section 2 free. Let's go. Everybody.
everybody, you know, gets pretty complacent. And when they're home, they're sitting on the couch and start watching Family Guy, you know, forgetting about what's going on. I just want people to remember that this is not going away. Right now, we're clearing a village. This is the return. At the same time, attacking a Russian checkpoint. Clear the right, I'm going to stay on the left. Back on the ground in a fragile, uncertain war. Tell him to keep his eye on the right. I'm on top. The seeds of democracy are fragile. Where people from all countries are coming together in the fight for democracy. Think of yourself in 10 years and ask yourself today, are you going to be proud of what you did uh, to stop Russia's aggression? Shosh Pedrosian, News 12. Okay, that's one perspective, and we'll end with this and sign off on this edition of Truman's Town Hall. Hope you all have a good week. Hope you have a great week. Take care. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Share with a friend. Thank you. I've talked about some of this. Um, If I'm a company commander Mm. and I'm in charge of training Afghan forces I want to do a good job and when I report to my battalion commander and I you know the first I'm working with these guys for a month and you know he says how are those guys and I say well they got some work to do they're they're not that great they're deficient here they're deficient there they're not good at this and my battalion commander says okay well you know get them squared away the next month what do I say? You know, I'm, I'm going to tend to say, yeah, well, we're making some improvements. We're, we're doing a little bit better. We've got them issued better gear. We, we got the supply issues taken care of that we were worried about. We did a, a live fire training operation. And, and so you end up just by virtue of having a positive attitude, which Americans certainly have. We end up painting a better picture than what is actually happening. I, I saw this. I I try to think if I did this, I believe I did. I believe that I did in training Iraqi forces would sometimes say, you know, um, I would put some lipstick on, on, on the situation a little bit. Again, trying to have a positive attitude, trying to look at the brightest side of what was happening. And, and there was times in, in Iraq where the Iraqis would take over a position and the, insurgents would immediately attack it and crush them and so we got put in check a few times i would almost say luckily because that what that caused us to do was to be very honest about the capabilities of the people we were working with so there is actual times where the iraqis would take over let's say a a checkpoint we'd say yep they're good to go and this when i say we i mean coalition forces in general you know the americans that are there said yes we've been working with these iraqis they can handle this checkpoint we'd step away from the checkpoint and this happened almost immediately upon my arrival this checkpoint got taken over by the iraqis and the insurgents attacked it a day later two days later they killed the american advisor that was there actually two american advisors that were there overran it was total disaster and that happened when i first showed up so it really put us in check in terms of okay what do we need to be very cautious about what we report up the chain of command and when they're actually ready but at the same time you know i my guess is and even when we left iraq i was very worried I was very worried when America left Iraq, when coalition forces left Iraq. I thought to myself, they can't, they're not ready yet. And there's a, there's a similar, obvious similar theme here. So almost every, I never fought in Iraq, in Afghanistan, but everyone that I know that worked on the ground with the Afghan forces were all not surprised. Hey, they weren't ready yet. They just weren't ready yet. And it's a huge, it's, it's um, it's almost like when you have these these elements, the U.S. support is really like the long pole in the tent, and all the other t- tent poles and the canvas that goes over the tent is and the stakes that go on the ground. All those things are really really important, and you can build those up and you can make them really good, and you can, they can provide you shelter from the rain and shelter from the wind. But if you pull out that one long pole in the middle it has a huge negative impact and and that's sort of 
again in hindsight as I look at it. That's what that's one of the things I think happened. Yeah, I think there were just multiple things. I think even right down to the number of ghost soldiers. So on paper there might be three hundred thousand Afghan soldiers when there's in reality there's a, a quarter of that because people would take commanders were taking money of people that never existed or they were dead or there was no accountability um you know i can i can go into corruption for days in in how that really destroyed afghanistan and so to drill into that corruption that you just talked let me let me see if i got this little piece of it right, right. i'm a commander i'm a i'm an afghan commander if i say i have 500 soldiers, I get X amount of money. Yep. So guess how many I have? 700. And and, and <clears throat> two of you guys die, you're not going to report that because you still want to keep getting their money to the point where they would take the bank cards of the dead soldiers and go to the bank and get them their paychecks every week or every month. Like it, it's the level, and we can get into this, but in my, I've never seen a more corrupt place on every possible level. And yet... You know, we, and when I say we, I say the United States, we turned a blind eye to that for, for really 20 years instead of going to the root and fixing it. We let it fester and create this entire industry of corruption, which is what the Taliban was not only able to capitalize on, but they came in saying, well, we're not going to be corrupt. And people that don't even like the Taliban's were so fed up with that corruption that they were going to support that even if they didn't support the ideology. Picked up trash, 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 